Well, once again, uh, welcome to Every Nation Vancouver. Uh, I'm uh, Tim Froze. I'm one of the, the pastors here at Every Nation Vancouver. Uh, and it's my pleasure today to introduce our new sermon series. Um, so we are today, we're starting a new series uh, over the next few, that'll ha- happen over the next few weeks, uh, where we're going through the letter of 1 John. And uh, we, call, we call 1 John a letter, but really, 1 John is, is kind of more of a sermon all on its own, uh, where, where John deals with, with powerful topics of light and truth and love and relationship. And it's a, it's a repetitive message in a lot of ways where these themes keep coming up again and again and just keep building upon one another uh, with layers of implication for how we live life with God and others. And... We, we chose this series um, because, because we, we just believe as, as, as pastors and elders and as, as a church that holistic relationships are really important. And, uh, and, and, and as he talks about light and truth and love in this book, uh, John, is, John is focusing these things toward healthy relationships and what healthy relationships look like and what it looks like to walk with one another in faith. Um, so that's, that's the kind of the series and the direction where we're headed. And, uh, and so then you may, we're starting at the beginning of the book, and you may not be surprised if you've been around for a while, uh, that John starts right off the bat by telling us that whole relationships begin with our relationship with God. That's where everything starts. And so John uses these powerful images of light and dark to talk about uh, sin and truth and repentance and forgiveness um, and for what that looks like for then us walking with God and with others. Um, as many of you know, uh, God has given me opportunity over the past number of years to walk with uh, different people who've been struggling with addictions of various kinds. The longer that I've done this, the more that I've come to realize that most of us struggle with addiction of some kind. Um, Some of these are more obvious and more destructive than others, uh, but most of us tend to develop habits that we use to cope and to soothe ourselves from the troubles that we face in our lives. And so for some, some turn then to, to substances like alcohol or drugs Or it could be something as simple as food. Whereas others turn to mental or emotional solutions like pornography or gaming or even something as simple as TV. As I said, some of these things are more inherently damaging than others. Uh, but, But almost anything in our lives, even good things, can become an addiction that we habitually turn to for coping with the chaos and the brokenness in our lives. And without realizing how we're then continuing to enslave ourselves to brokenness even further as we pursue these things. Um, So a couple of months ago, uh, I was I was at an Indonesian pastors conference, and I was speaking with another pastor about these challenges and 
how hard it can be to help people to fully admit uh, to a problem or, or even to have a desire to let go of the things that we're struggling with. And he, he asked me rather nonchalantly if, uh, if we had a 12-step program. And it was one of those questions where you're like, oh, why didn't I think of that? Um, and, and, and so you know, it seemed like maybe uh, God was trying to draw that to my attention. Um, and so then over the next you know, few months, uh, God has really been bringing this to my attention, bringing you know, more people into my life for me to process this with and to explore the idea of, uh, of starting a 12-step program. This is something that, that we're looking into. Um, and one of the things that I've kept finding as I've, as I've been speaking with people and as I've been studying 12-step uh, programs myself um, is, that, is that the thing that always keeps coming up is that the first thing that people need to work on for their addiction or for their problem is to admit that they have a problem. That we, that, that we need to admit at the outset that we have a problem. We, if we don't do that, there, we can't move forward at all. Uh, so that's the first step, admitting that we have a problem. And, and then admitting to the problem leads to then seeking help by developing right relationship with God and with others. And, uh, and so then even in 12-step in, in, uh, programs, they, they kind of began, um, you know, out of, uh, out of the church. Uh, and, and they've developed, you know, over the years to, uh, in, in some settings to, to be more, more, more secular or accommodating people from other backgrounds. Um, uh, but, even, but even as they've, as they've worked to, to universalize uh, some of the steps a little bit, uh, the thing that, that keeps coming, coming through is that, that people do need uh, a relationship with God. They need to understand uh, and be walking with God in some capacity to be able to pursue healing and wholeness from their addictions. Um, but the first step to getting help is, is to admit at the beginning that, that we have a problem. And I think that admitting our problems, or more so maybe admitting the depth of the problem and how helpless we really are with our problems is a lot harder to do than we'd like to think. Um, I think that a lot of the time, we don't want to admit that we have a problem. Um, or, or we don't want to admit that, that we need help with our problem because we think, well, it's not really that bad, is it? We think, no, no, I've, I've got this. Uh, I'll, I'll be fine. I, I can get better on my own. It's, it's not that bad. Uh, I've got it under control. Or sadly, sometimes we think, well, I've actually, I've got to sort out my problem before I tell anyone about it. Because people won't care for me, or maybe people will think I'm a freak if they find out about my problem before I've properly dealt with it. How many of us have thought that before? I have. 
And we, and we live in a culture that I think even encourages, encourages us uh, to claim that there is no problem in many areas that can be quite harmful for us. Uh, that, that to admit uh, that something is bad for us is, is something that's less culturally acceptable for us as Canadians. But the trouble is that keeping our problems hidden or thinking that we've hidden it doesn't actually help us. Really, hiding in our problems keeps us alone, doesn't it? That hiding our problems and hiding in our problems, it actually isolates us from others, doesn't it? It often leaves us with too much shame or conversely, too much pride to come before God with it as well. And so then we end up stuck in our problems and our problems just compound and continue on without being dealt with. Um, when we don't admit our problems, they just, they just fester and grow and the destruction that they bring about in our lives just continues to grow as well and becomes more and more evident over time. And so, sometimes, sometimes we don't notice it, but the people around us begin to notice it. Um, and sometimes, uh, by the time we notice it, we're well down the line of how destructive our problems or our addictions are in our lives. This reminds me, actually, a lot of cancer. Because, because like, just, just as cancer starts small and starts as a small cluster, that at first it's hardly noticeable. Uh, that, that's why often people you know, don't get diagnosed until stage, stage two or three or, or four, because, uh, because when it's small, it doesn't have that great of an effect on our bodies and on our health, and so we can go along with a while thinking, oh, actually, we're okay. And it's only as it begins to grow and as it begins to affect our health, uh, starting in small ways, um, but then getting larger, uh, when it when it grows larger and spreads to other areas, causing more of our, and more of our body to not work right anymore, that's where it eventually becomes destructive and can lead even to our own death. And I realize that you know the the comparison to of cancer to sin can be quite shocking, um, but. But if you think about it, like sin is actually ultimately more destructive because it can lead uh, to our eternal death. And so uh, the, word, the word tells us that sin does lead to death. But if we don't notice or if we don't realize the evidence of its effect in our lives, we tend to carry on thinking that we're okay. And these are the kinds of things that John starts off by addressing in 1 John. That he's concerned for the reality of sin and its destructive effect in our lives. He's concerned for how it affects our relationship with God and with others when it's left undealt with. 
And so this is what John writes in 1 John uh, chapter 1, verses 5 to 2, verse 2. And it will be on screen and you can, you can follow along in your Bibles. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the, in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. John tells us that God is light, and that if we want to be in a relationship with him, we must also be walking in the light. But this is, this is a hard thing um, that, that we've already been talking about, that we tend not to want to be in the light, that we tend to want to hide away in our sin and, and not admit to it and, and not have it in the open. Uh, Jesus says as much uh, when he says in, in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 19 to 21, Jesus says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Sadly, one of the difficulties we have as being human is that we tend to prefer to hide in our sin rather than dealing with it. So what is it that keeps us from coming into the light? Uh, first, I, I think denial. Uh, I think a lot of the time we like our sin. We found it helpful in some way as an escape uh, as a method of dealing with felt needs in our lives, we like the way it makes us feel. And so we want to hold on to it. We want to believe that we've got it under control or that any, any benefit of it outweighs any detriment that it may be causing us. And, and this, is a, it's a, this is a difficult place to be because it's it's hard to admit something is a problem when we enjoy that thing. Uh, enjoyment makes it easy for us to want to live in denial. And sometimes we believe so strongly that any benefit of it outweighs the negative that we deny 
it's a problem, and not only deny it's a problem, but we can even start to claim that that thing is good. We, we claim that something ultimately bad is actually good. And John warns us of this when he, when he says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. That, that calling, something, uh, calling something that is sin, calling it good, that, that we've simply deceived ourselves. Um, when, uh, when you first step out of the light, if you're, in a, if you're in a bright space and you step into a, a dark space, um, you, you may notice, or you may have noticed, that you know, at, at first you can't see a thing. At first it's very dark, you can't see anything, um, it's, just, it's just black. But eventually, our eyes start to adjust, don't they? And, um, and as your eyes start to adjust, you start to like see things like, oh, that's, uh, there's, I think that might be a pew over there, right? Um, or, you know, there, there's a, a bench or a chair, right? And we start to, we start to make out shapes uh, in the dark as our, as our eyes start to adjust. Uh, and if we hang around in the dark long enough, we can, also, we can almost start to convince ourselves that the darkness, maybe it's not really dark. Like, maybe the darkness kind of is actually, you know, somewhat light. And, and so when we, we just get so used to it, we, we can start to think um, and to speak that way. Um, because, uh, and, and we start to find that also then helpful for ourselves and in hiding what we want to hide because, because in the dark, as Jesus pointed out, it's easy to hide what's wrong. And you may not even notice what's wrong because you can't really see it. Um, I, uh, I, I used to get uh, bloody noses uh, fairly frequently. And uh, sometimes I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would think, oh, my nose is running. Okay, no problem. It's just a runny nose. I can uh, deal with that later. And then, the, and then, like, I would either turn on the light or sometimes it, like a much while later, I was like, oh, why is my nose still running? Uh, I turn on the light and realize, nope, my nose was bleeding all over my pillow. Uh, big mess, right? But in the dark, I could convince myself that the problem wasn't really so bad. I couldn't actually see the the consequences of the real problem. And so I was like, oh, well, maybe, it's, maybe it's not so bad. And that we can, we can do this with our problems that, uh, that because the dark can hide what's really wrong and allow us to live in denial of the truth. And, and, we, can, and we can do this collectively where, where we can collectively live in denial because when we collectively can't see um, then it can easy, become easy for us to start to agree that what is broken, we can start to call that good. Because when none of us can see, um, we just start to make bad interpretations together of the truth. But ultimately, our denial is unhelpful. And the problem only multiplies its destructiveness. So, um, so denial keeps us from coming out into the light. Uh, the other thing, I think, is fear. Um, that, uh, that, that we sometimes, we might recognize 
that we have a problem. We might recognize that we have, have sin that we're struggling with in our lives. Uh, but we're afraid of the response that we might receive if we're honest about our failure. And so then we think things like, well, what if people reject me when they realize how bad I really am? Or what if God rejects me if I step out into the light and it's seen how bad I really am? Those are real questions of fear. I, uh, I think about some of the high-profile Christian leaders over the past uh, couple of years where it's come out that they've uh, betrayed their marriages and their ministries and their faith by committing adultery or sexual abuse. And I wonder what might have been different if they had confessed their temptation to someone early on before it, uh, before it grew into this problem that, that affected everyone around them and was hurting people and, uh, and bringing down their ministries? Was it, was it fear that kept them from talking with someone? And, and what, would have been, what could have been different if they, if they would have stepped out into the light? What was it that kept them from stepping out into the light. But ultimately, we can't hide in the dark. The light has come, and the light is coming. Jesus says that everything will ultimately be brought out into the light. And so if we don't come out into the light to have it dealt with, then what keeps us in the dark will ultimately destroy us there. Um, it, it's kind of ironic, if you think about it, that, uh, that we can fear coming into the light to be set free when it's hiding in the dark that is ultimately what destroys us. That it's hiding in the dark that what we should actually fear. Um, we fear that there is pain in the light without realizing that there is pain uh, and death that is far greater than any pain of coming into the light. Because the dark leads to destruction and death, but light leads to freedom and to life. And so if, if you have sin that's undealt with, come out into the light. And I don't, I don't mean, you know, don't come forward now and you don't have to share it in the mic, uh, but find people that you can walk with, uh, who you can share with, who you can confess to, who can hold you accountable through what you're struggling with, um, come out into the light. And what happens when we come out into the light? Uh, well, just as if you're in a dark place and you step out into a really bright space, you know, you know how our eyes will sometimes hurt for a minute, like, ah, it's really bright, my eyes hurt. Um, and that's, that's not far off from sometimes the initial experience of, uh, of when we first confess our sin, when our sin is exposed, because, uh, because then, it's, then it's known. But it might be helpful to know that when we confess it, this isn't new information for the Lord. Um, we, we can't actually hide in the dark and 
think, like, God actually sees it. Um, surprise. Um, that's new information. Uh, we, we can't actually hide in the dark. God, God sees it. Um, but, uh, but, but others might not. And so those now, when we, when we come out into the light, those that we share with will see it. And that, that might feel hard at first. Um, that might feel awkward. And, and if our sin has been hurting someone, uh, that could be hard too. That'll be something that, uh, that we'll have to work through. But then, but then the good part starts to, starts to happen because as John says, the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. This is good news, amen? When we come into the light, the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. This, this is so important. Uh, John, John's like, this is a big deal. I'm going to say it in a bunch of different ways. And so he repeats himself. Uh, he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. He says, Jesus is our advocate. He says, Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. When we come into the light and we confess our sin, we receive the forgiveness that Jesus has waiting for us. And we receive the, the purity from him that, that he has to offer us. Uh, I think we're, again, we're afraid that God's going to shame us, right? That, um, but, but God's response is not to shame us. He doesn't pile on the guilt. He doesn't say, wow, you're a lot worse than I thought. Um, he doesn't say, boy, that's gross. Maybe you should go back in the dark and hide. He doesn't say that. He says, I forgive you. He says, I have already paid the debt of your sin. He says, let's set you free from the burden of this sin. Let me purify you. And he does. Uh, he purifies us in two ways. Uh, we are made pure before God through Jesus Christ. Um, that, that our status before God is that is that we're now declared uh, clean and pure and free in him. That, that, that God no longer sees us um, uh, simply on our own in our sin, but he sees us through the righteousness of Jesus Christ because the righteousness of Jesus Christ has, has imparted to us. And so he sees us um, as he sees Jesus, um, as, as righteous and pure. Um, and then the second thing, we go through the process of being made pure. And so this is something that takes time where we go through, uh, we go through working through things and letting go of, of the sin that is hampering us. And, and, this can, and this can be something that goes fast or it can be something that takes time. Uh, I've, I've heard testimonies from people who've been uh, immediately set free uh, from, their, from their addictions uh, and their temptations. I've, I, I heard uh, one guy who shared that when he came to Christ, he, he was immediately set free of any temptation to smoke a cigarette ever again. 
Um, it was like, it was gross to him in his mouth. He, 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 couldn't, he couldn't even touch them. Um, and then I've known people who've struggled and persevered over time to, uh, to let go of the same addiction. Persevering in faith because they knew what Jesus was calling them to do. And, and the work of the Spirit is in both of these methods because miracles and persevering in faithfulness both depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. Miracles and persevering in faithfulness both depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. And so this process of being made pure, uh, it can be hard. It takes work. But it's good because we get to walk in freedom. So that the thing that was destroying us and affecting our relationship with God and with others no longer affects us. We're set free of it. Um, I, I have a friend who's a, who's a missionary in Guatemala, and he says, he says, I don't believe in the prosperity gospel, but I constantly see people's lives prosper after they come to Jesus and give up their addictions and their vices. Because when they stop spending all their money on alcohol and cigarettes and drugs, all of a sudden, they have money to buy a car or to buy a house. And so, it, so their lives look like prosperity, but because they're experiencing the freedom that Jesus has for them when they let go of their sin. Um, as, as we are made pure, our lives begin to develop the freedom and exhibit the wholeness that God has always longed to give us. And the other thing that happens as we walk in the light with Jesus is that we're brought into fellowship with other believers, with fellow believers. Um, and and this, this kind of goes both ways. Um, John, John says we have, we have fellowship with one another when we walk in the light. And so uh, walking in fellowship with other believers is a signal that we're walking in the light and are being purified of sin and conversely, a failure to walk in fellowship with other believers is a signal that we're not walking in the light. And that uh, most of the time, that there's undealt with sin in our lives that is keeping us from walking with others. Um, I realize that this statement is probably particularly hard uh, on Canadians, and maybe even particularly hard on Vancouverites, because we value our individuality, and we can be quite good at keeping to ourselves. But what John is pointing to is a truth that shows up over and over and over again in the New Testament, that there is no such thing as a solo Christian. When we read through the New Testament, over and over again, we see believers walking with one another in faith. And when people become believers, that they're welcomed into fellowship with other believers. Because walking with Jesus is a relational process. It's about walking in loving relationship with him and walking 
and loving relationship with God's people. And so when we walk in the light, we don't walk alone. We walk together. Uh, But again, this can be a hard thing about walking in the light as well. Because when we walk together in the light, we find out that we have uh, other sin we didn't realize. Um, We find out that those that we're walking with um, also have sin. Um, Because we all have, we like to call them rough edges. Um, Maybe... Maybe, maybe we think of them as smaller sins. But we all have, you know, these rough edges that when we, when we walk together kind of show up and, and we realize the, the imperfections of ourself and of one another that we need to learn to work through and to let go of and to uh, confess. And so that these become moments um, of confession and to be worked through and to be purified again. And they're not moments for condemnation, but moments for mercy and for repentance and faith. And the closer that we walk together, the, the more that we discover this. Um, our, our Turkey team spent two full weeks uh, together, doing a lot of things together, spending a lot of time together. Um, we, 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 were, we were quite close. And guess what we found out? that we've all got some of these rough edges uh, that we need chipping off. Um, These, you know, these sinful parts of ourselves that we need to learn to let go of. Um, Maybe not, maybe not Caleb. Caleb, Caleb was really good, but, but the rest of us, um, yeah, definitely have have some things to, to, to work on. Um, And the temptation in these moments is to, is to run and to hide in the dark again. To, to run and like, okay, no, it, it got hard uh, being close to people, so now I'm gonna actually, like, I'm just gonna hide because I actually don't want these things to, to be exposed. But, um, but Jesus' invitation is actually for us to stay in the light, uh, to, to come to him and to confess and to seek forgiveness of those that we've hurt. Because, uh, because through it, we get to be reconciled and purified. Because hiding in the dark doesn't let us grow in relationship. It just keeps us from relationship. It keeps us, uh, it keeps us from walking in relationship with God. And so friends, I think the invitation to us is this. What are you hiding in the, in the dark? What is it that, that you keep hidden? Um, what are you holding on to that keeps you from whole relationships with God and with others? Be, Jesus says, come into the light. Jesus says, come confess it. For Jesus is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to purify you from all unrighteousness. Don't spend another day in the dark. If you're hiding something, 
Find someone that you can talk to. Find someone that you can pray with. Find, find someone that you can walk with and who can help you work through this and who can hold you accountable and encourage you and build you up to be able to walk forward in the light together with Jesus and one another. Come into the light because Jesus is faithful to forgive. Um, we're going to be taking communion in a few minutes. Um, and the worship team is going to come, come forward and uh, lead us in a song while the elements are, are being handed out. Um, <clears throat> communion is a sign that we are choosing to walk in the light. It's a sign that we've chosen to confess our sin and to receive the forgiveness and the purity that Jesus offers us through his death on the cross. And it's a sign that we're choosing to walk in right relationship with him and with others. So if you're not in a place today where you have or can say yes to this, then, then let the cup pass by. And take the time that you need to confess and to be reconciled to Jesus and to others. Use this moment as the moment you choose to step out of the darkness and into the wonderful light of Jesus. And if you're already walking in the light and working to continue in the light, then this cup is for you. And let's join with Jesus and with one another in persevering in his light together. And I'm just going to pray as these are being handed out. Father, I thank you that you saw us in the dark and you and you didn't want to leave us there. That you had mercy and compassion on us in our brokenness and our sin as we were hiding there in the dark and that you sent Jesus into the world as the light to be light for us, to show us the way and to make the way through his death on the cross so that we could be made right before you so that we could be set free from sin. So Jesus, I pray that you would lead us by your spirit, not to stay stuck hiding in the dark, not to, to uh, just to, to leave our, our sin unconfessed or unspoken or undealt with, but God, that you would give us the courage that we need to step forward into the light so that we can receive the wholeness that you have for us, so that we can walk in whole relationship with you and that we can walk in wholeness of relationship with your people. Give us courage to walk forward with you in this, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.